This podcast is brought to you by Big Things Crewing. Big Things Crewing is a company we started and we cater to ultra marathon runners. If you need help getting to the start line, we can help you there with coaching plans and training plans. And if you need help getting to the finish line, we can help you there too with crewing and pacing. Look us up, big-things-crewing.com. Uh, I've got a great guest for you today. His name is Kurt Apt, and uh, he has been running ultra marathons for 30 years. So we talk about what it takes for uh, a good, solid longevity in the sport. He has done 100 plus ultra marathons, including 24 hard rock finishes. That's right, 24 hard rock finishes and 20 Leadville finishes as well as the Moab 240, the Tahoe 200, and countless other races. He's been around for a long time and ran a lot of races. He averaged about two 100-mile races a year. And it's uh, tough to even wrap your head around, really. 100-plus ultramarathons. So just really interesting talking to him and and uh, his ideas on how we can stay healthy and stay in the sport for a long, long time. It's, it's possible, and Kirk shows us that. So thanks to Kirk for the conversation. I'm really excited to bring it to you guys. Um, I want to give big ups to a client of mine, Jen. I'll leave her last name out of it. She uh, lives in Germany. She just ran her first ultra marathon been coaching her up and getting her ready for her first 50k and she ended up running her first 55k so congrats to her super proud of her and looking forward to uh, where she's going in the future nothing but big things uh, we've got the sangre de cristo races coming up uh, september 16th to 20th uh, it's part of the human potential running series And um, they have races from 27 kilometers all the way up to 200 miler. And pretty much everything in between. So if you guys are looking for an ultra, look up the Sangre de Cristo Ultras. We'll be out there crewing, pacing. And uh, right now there's still a couple of us available if you guys need crew and pacers. Lastly, I'd like to give a big shout out to my man John Denise. He is the one that set up this podcast, and I'm thankful to him and just thankful to Kirk Att for sitting down and chatting with me and um, dropping some knowledge on uh, how to stay in this sport for 30 years, how to run over 100 races. I mean, as ultra runners, um, you know, most of us know that Hard Rock is, is one of the most difficult races in the United States, one of the most difficult races in the world, and he's got 24, not only 24 finishes, but 24 consecutive finishes. He's just been showing up every year, no DNFs. Um, It's pretty incredible, and what he's done is incredible, and uh, yeah, so just super happy to bring this conversation to you guys. So with that, I'd like to introduce you. Mr. Kirk Apt. 
Adam. Sure. Can, hey, can you hear me, man? Yeah, I can hear you. Oh, perfect. How you doing? No, I'm doing pretty well, thanks. How, good. how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Um, what's the weather like out in Grand Junction? Oh, kind of. Eh, I wish we'd have had more rain, but it's just sort of cloudy right now. Yeah. Okay. Cool, man. How's your week going? Uh, it was. Um, it was a pretty good week yeah, and fairly busy week at work. And um, yeah, just uh, looking forward to a weekend now. I hear you, man. Me too. Yeah. What do you do for work? I'm a bodywork therapist. I do rough structural integration and structural bodywork. Nice. How long have you been doing that? Oh, quite a while. Uh, 26 years now. You've been rolfing for 26 years? I've been doing bodywork for 26 and rolfing for 22. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Do you enjoy that sort of work? I'm guessing you I do. Love it. Kind of oh, yeah. 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 yeah, still at it. So, yeah, no, I, I, I do. I really like it. I, um, you know, I'm self-employed too, so I oh, uh, have my own practice and uh, in a facility with, with. Well, there's one other um, practitioner in there now. We had an, a second person who kind of bailed out when the COVID thing hit, and she's not ready to come back yet. So. Mm-hmm. Are you, this may be a naive question or stupid question, but are you able to do any sort of uh, rolfing or, or body work for yourself uh, after these long runs when, you know, you're, you're tired and your legs are beat up? Yeah, I can do some certain things for sure. Um, but still one of the first things I have on my, uh, on my to-do list is to make an appointment for myself. Actually, I just got a, got a session today. So okay, I try to do. I try to do something every week. I kind of go through a rotation of um, body work, acupuncture, um, chiropractic. And then um, I also, about once a month, I'll do a, it's called a Myers infusion. It's an IV drip of vitamin C, some B vitamins and electrolytes. Oh, wow. That's really help with recovery and immune system function. For sure. Where do you get that done at? Oh, there's a, uh, a medical facility here in town. Well, it's a just a clinic that kind of specializes in um, um, both like hormone replacement stuff, anti-aging, and it's it's more of a wellness um, practice than like a you know, standard medical practice. Yeah, for sure, hormone replacement. Uh, yeah, they do a lot of stuff with that too. Okay, have you ever messed around with anything like that? Like um hormone testosterone anything like that yeah mm-hmm. okay. yeah he, he's got me on um, a mild dose of um, both testosterone and um, thyroid okay yeah oh and um, he, he also keeps a close eye on my uh, cortisone um, got it. Uh, yeah okay do you feel like that helps? Does it make a difference in your training? And yeah, training? definitely. Yeah. Oh boy, it's got to be probably 10, eh, even more years ago. I was just kind of feeling flat, you know, with no other reason doing blood work and stuff. Everything's normal. And, um, and I got on this, um, um, adrenal fatigue website. I'm like, yeah, that, 
sounds like me. And so I kind of stepped into a little bit of a medicine, medical practice. Um, I'm not going to call it a black hole because it was very uh, productive, but, you know, certainly can be when you, you know, when you have these symptoms that are pretty common for a lot of people of just, you know, fatigue, um, always tired, can't, but can't sleep very well. Uh, um, you know, like I'd go out for a run and feel okay for about a half hour and then sort of go down the tubes. For sure. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So, you know, he got me all straightened out with that too. So, um, good. I've always been interested and sort of curious about that sort of medicine. Uh, mm-hmm. do you feel like you had some sort of, um, adrenal fatigue due to uh, a, like big training blocks? Yeah, and... I'd say that was part of it for sure. And then, you know, just not sleeping enough, which yeah. I probably still tend to do, but. <laughs> okay. And are you a coffee drinker as well? Yeah, I don't drink a lot, but I, I drink, uh, uh, at least a cup every day. For sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Okay. And, um, yeah. So if you wouldn't mind, um, introduce yourself to us and, and let us know, um, you know, well, I, I guess I mentioned you're in, in Grand Junction, uh, Colorado, but, mm-hmm. um, let us know, uh, what you've been up to the last 20 or 30 years and, uh, what you're all about. Okay. Well, we want to go back 20 or 30 years. <laughs> uh, let's see. Well, I, I, um, I, Moved to Crested Butte in 1986. Yeah, um, I'm going to go back even a little bit further. Let me, yeah, let me please do. step back to sort of when I kind of started thinking more about running. Okay. Um, yeah, so this would have been my uh, my last semester of my um, undergraduate uh, college career. I was in Flagstaff. Uh, going to NAU, got a forestry degree, and they they work us really hard for like three straight semesters. And then your last semester, they just kind of tell you to go relax and take some fun classes and, yeah. you know, just gather up a few more credits and they'll call it good. Okay. So, um, um, so I had a lot more time on my hands at that point. And I had been running a bit um, uh, throughout that whole period um but i decided well you know i got some extra time now why don't i kind of think about running a marathon i'll see what that's like um so in your early early 20s or so at this point yes let's see this so this is 1984 i was 20 yeah 22 Um, okay so uh yeah, I, I started running more and um, started going down to Phoenix on the weekends, and there's always road races that you could jump into. So it's just kind of learning a lot about about running as a sport and, um, uh, yeah, doing some, some road races and uh, with kind of a goal of shooting for a fall marathon. And... Um, what initially piqued your interest in running? Oh, I've been a runner my whole life, just <laughs> not very skilled at it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just something you enjoyed. Something I enjoyed, yeah, you know, and like in back in high school, I I 
I really wanted to be an athlete of some sort. And I tried, you know, all the team sports, stick and ball stuff. And just, you know, I, I just don't have those kind of skills. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, even a little bit before that, um, I, I just I, I just start running around the neighborhood and stuff. And, and as it turned out, uh, a younger guy moved in toward the end of the block. And he started seeing me running and he stopped me one day and he said, you know, what? I'm a. I'm a coach over at one of the other high schools. I, you, sh- you should go out for a cross country. Uh, mm-hmm. I think you really have a lot of talent. And that was mm-hmm. all I needed to hear. I'm like, wow, really? I have a talent at something cool. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I did. I went out for that. would have been my uh, sophomore year in high school. I went out for the cross country team. And yeah, I wasn't very good. But, you know, mm-hmm. I was part of a team and just kind of got that buzz. And that was fun. Mm-hmm. And and uh, ran uh, ran a couple years of cross country. This was in the Midwest, um, uh, northern Indiana, where I mostly grew up. And then my senior year in high school, I moved out to New Mexico with my mom and dad. Okay. And sort of wrapped up my high school stuff there before I went to uh, Flagstaff to go to NAU. Got it. Okay. So, yeah, as a... A bit of a foundation, I guess. And then, um, yeah, I did the marathon. I actually did a summer marathon. It was a, the Steamboat Marathon. So I think that was in June. And by that point, I had graduated and had just moved to Fort Collins to um, start graduate school. Yeah. So um, um, I, I ran uh, the Steamboat Marathon, and that went that went pretty well. I don't know. I probably ran about a 310 or something. I don't know. Didn't really know what I was doing. Uh, sure. but, I, but I enjoyed it and uh, kind of kept, kept doing the, you know, just reading everything I could about uh, training, uh, running, because my high school quote-unquote coach wasn't really much of a running coach. He was sort of the baseball coach. He got Shanghai into coaching, quote-unquote, coaching cross-country. So I had no idea. Um, so it was kind of fun to get into, you know, kind of the physiology of uh, training and, and this training programs and, you know, all that all that road running stuff. Um, Definitely. So, yeah, after a couple of years in Fort Collins, I kind of ran out of academic talent and um, just decided to move to Crested Butte and uh, set up shop there and started running more. Actually, I was riding, uh, getting into mountain biking quite a bit then, too. So this was 1986 and uh, probably... Probably even a little more mountain biking for a couple of years than running, but I kept running and, um, and you know, you just get up in the mountains there and it, you know, if it, if it's your thing, it, it really, you know, it trips your trigger and it's, yeah, you know, I imagine most people listening to this kind of know what I'm talking about. So, yeah. well, yeah, I noticed, you know, some people are really drawn to the ocean and some people yeah. are really drawn mountains and yeah uh, yeah, yeah right one thing you and i probably have in common <laughs> yeah yeah curious uh what made you choose i mean i love crested butte um mm-hmm. I've, and we often think about buying a place there and uh but what made you choose crested butte just uh the yeah well I, I you know I, I didn't really know much about it but um 
when I was back in my um, my um, bachelor's program, I had a couple of summer um, summer seasons where I um, did timber inventory work, um, contracting through the Forest Service. Okay. And um, a couple of the the projects were up on the Gunnison National Forest, and you know, I just sort of you know, I'd have a day off and I'd. Oh. I'll look at a spot on a map, Crested Butte, I'll go have a look at that. And I, you know, I went up there and it was just, you know, it's fantastic and magical, especially in 1984, five or whatever it was. Um, and, you know, that, that kind of planted the seed. I'm like, oh my God, I'd love to live here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I made I that happen. It. Yeah. Okay. And so, um, so at that point, you were just like dabbling in marathons and mountain biking for a few years before you got into ultra. Yeah, yeah, and um, well, pretty much as soon as I got up there, I started started running more on trails and just kind of poking along on uh, on the trails and looking at maps. I I really enjoy looking at maps and you know, kind of sort of sussing out routes um whether they're a trail connects them or not like you know you can be on one side of a pass and maybe see a a little gap on a map that looks like you could make it go and get over to the other side and pick up another trail and then you know kind of wind your way back from where you started just that kind of stuff you know and uh, then to then to be able to put it together on the ground um you know was the real the real carrot and uh, so I just did a lot of that um, whether it was on a bike or mostly on foot eventually it became mostly on feet yeah 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 and I'm curious do you do any climbing as well or are you pretty much a uh, endurance athlete yeah yeah I really have no kind of you know technical climbing um, background at all okay okay just love being out in the mountains and yeah covering ground uh throughout the day it sounds like um and then it looks like you ran your first ultra in 91 well um probably my first actual organized ultra was and i i i think it was um one of the early versions of um what turned into the zane gray highline trail okay um so yeah, back, I, I want to say it was late eighties, maybe 90, 91, something like that. Um, I, I did one of those. Um, and I think that was actually my first ultra. Um, uh, but my, yeah, I guess if you're looking at, um, ultra sign up, probably the first thing on there is, is, um, maybe the Leadville 91. Is that right? The Zane Gray 100K looks like your first one on ultra sign up. And then, uh, oh, okay. Yeah. What, what was the date on that? April 27th, 91. Okay. All right. Yeah. So I, I did a couple of, I did a couple of years there. Um, and can't, you know, really remember what date that was. I, I you know, I don't really keep track of any of those early races. Uh, you know, sure. I, of course I know when my first hundred was, was Leadville 91 and, um, you know, I can, I can kind of tell you about all the hundreds I've done. Um, I, I would generally try to, you know, do a 50 or two or three every year, hopefully, you know, one or two in the spring is kind of training for the, the hundreds that were coming later in the summer. 
Sure. Yeah. And I'm curious, did you know anybody at the time that was into this stuff or were you pretty much doing your training on your own and just driving to these races on your own? Um, pretty much that. Yeah. There were, um, there were a few people that I met in Crested Butte who ran, none really ran as far as I did. Nobody was really doing ultras, I guess, you know, know, um, you know, it's a town full of mountain athletes and everybody's, everybody's very active. And, um, so I had a, had a few friends, uh, that I'd run with, um, and, in those early years, we also we we kind of started a running club in Crested Butte that still still functions. It's more of a kind of social thing. Uh, they put on a yeah. series of you know just sort of fun run things throughout the summer, and they're they're you know five to ten mile runs. Um, cool. so, so we got that going, and um, I also uh, found the um, the mountain runner group that was in um, Los Alamos, New Mexico. It was MTNRNR, Mountain okay. Runner. Um, and it was Charlie Thorne and John Kappas and um, a few other guys down there. And, and those guys were really, those guys were really kind of pioneering the whole sport, you know, before ultra running was a thing and certainly trail ultra running and, and that kind of thing. But um these are really kind of low key things. Like once a year, they, you got on their mailing list and they'd mail you a list of their, you know, their scheduled runs for the year. And, you know, it's like on this date, show up at this trailhead at this time. And um, so you'd get there and uh, just kind of fill out a, it was a search and rescue form. So it's like, okay, what do you look like? How tall are you? What are you wearing? Uh-huh. <laughs> How, what kind of gear are you carrying with you? And then lastly, that a roll of, of uh, tinfoil and you'd tear off a sheet and make an imprint of your uh, shoe, of the outsole on your shoes. <laughs> so oh, wow. I guess supposedly if you didn't show up, they'd, they'd know what to, to direct search and rescue you know here's what he's wearing if you see his footprints maybe you can track him down (laughs) Uh, yeah so that that was one of my early uh early uh experiences with with the sport too and you know even if they weren't like ultra in distance they were you know they were 20-ish miles for the most part but a lot of really um you know pretty remote um remote areas that uh we were going through and um yeah that, those were those were really really fun and kind of foundational for me as well oh for sure i can only imagine i mean so back in those days i'm guessing you weren't looking you know 30 years down the road and, and imagining yourself still running ultra marathons or, or running these long distances in the mountains or or were you no, I was too young to, to have that kind of foresight. Um, yeah, yeah I, I just, um, you know, I just enjoyed it and enjoyed being in the mountains. And um, must have been about 1989 or 90. Um, a friend of mine in Crested Butte had, um, had, gone to school in Boulder for a couple of years and, and she moved back to town and brought her, her, uh, boyfriend in tow. And, uh, she said, Oh yeah, Greg really loves to run too. I'll, I'll hook you guys up and, and, uh, 
you know, I think you'll really enjoy each other's company. And um, so she did. And, and uh, it turned out Greg had, had taken a couple of shots at the Leadville 100 um, and uh, not finished. But, uh, I was in 1990. Yeah, going into the 1990 season, I'm like, Greg, you should try this again and I'll pace you. <laughs> so no. he's like, yeah, sure. Why not? Okay. So I show up at the 1990 Leadville 100 and Greg starts running and there's three or four of us that are growing and pacing and cheering him on. And uh, I was, my plan was to jump in at Winfield at the turnaround and go back with him. And uh-huh. I did. And uh, he got back to uh, um, fish hatchery. And he was doing fine, you know, he's sore and tired, but he just didn't, you know, he didn't have, he just didn't feel like going on anymore. So, well, whatever, you know, it's your race, so that's cool. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, so I got that, that first experience of uh, being, you know, kind of at a, what, what at the time was a pretty big time ultra. I mean, it still is, but in 1980, it was much smaller than it is now, of course. For sure. Yeah. So the next year, um, I said, hey, Greg, let's just switch roles. I'll enter this year, and you can pace me. So he was he was game for that. And uh, um, he's, um, God, I have to say he's paced me for 30, 30 100 milers maybe. I'm only guessing, but he's, he's, wow. he's, he's yeah, he still paces me. He paces me every year at Hard Rock and uh, whenever else he – he can get away and do it so uh, yeah yeah we've we've uh, shared a whole lot of miles together <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty special yeah it really is yeah so um so i recently started a little uh business that that kind of uh caters to ultra runners and and uh-huh. um like the pacing and crewing aspect of ultras is like one of my favorite things to be a part of and i yeah. think it's really cool when when people have friends that, you know, will come out and, and help them all night long, just, uh, you know, selflessly help them get to the finish line. Or, you know, I've had friends fly across the country that have come out and helped me and it's been really special. Yeah. And I'm curious, like, um, what's, uh, what's a good pacer look like to you or what's a good crew team look like to you? And do you have any secrets to give me? And I'm <laughs> people? Oh, uh, Probably not. It's a simple answer to that. Um, I, th- I think I'm. I think I'm pretty easy to both crew and pace. Um, uh, you know, I, I I'm just so grateful for anyone who you know shows up and and is willing to help me out. So um, um, I'm pretty compliant. You know, I I just ask, and Greg knows me so well now that. Sure. you know we don't have to go through this anymore but you know some i get some pacers some other times and i'm like yeah just um you know just maybe remind me every half hour just ask me if i drank you know anything recently and just make sure i keep eating and and uh you know usually i do that on my own but you know if i happen to slip off and go brain dead for a little while just uh you know just keep me on course and you know let's just go out and enjoy the enjoy the mountains together. Um, Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any uh, specific memories of uh, 
you know, great times you've had with Pacers out there or special. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Or, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How much time do we have? But uh, right. <laughs> yeah. What well, here's here's one really, really unique and special one that, that comes to mind right away when you when you kind of frame it like that. Um let me think here. This would have been seven years ago. So the twenty thirteen hard rock. Okay. Yeah. Um my uh, my dad had passed away um earlier just you know a couple months before the race um and um so you know that was still very very fresh in my mind and uh dad had this thing about the color red he just he that you know easily his favorite color you know if he had a chance to get a red car it was a red car all his, you know he had a bunch of red clothes and he just loved red so um you know, that uh, kind of left an impression on me as I'd be out, you know, running in the mountains or whatever and see some particularly um, bright red flower or whatever, you know, just sort of a shout out from my dad. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we're, um, Greg's pacing me again at Hard Rock for the umpteenth time and um, we're uh, up on the final climb uh, before we start heading downhill and, and heading for home. And uh, it's just about dusk. Um, so we get up there and um, it's a pretty good climb to, to kind of make this last crest and I get up there and just st- kind of stop and took a breath. And I looked around and um, the weather, like 360 degrees around me was just going ape shit. I mean, they're looking towards your There was this crazy thunderstorm lightning um, bolts going off every few seconds so that was to the north and then just kind of swinging around to the right you could see that whole frontal system moving in towards your ray and then over behind me uh, there was this wild looking alpenglow that was lighting up the hillside behind me and a cloud was sitting on top of the ridge so the the uh, alpenglow is kind of underneath this black cloud and, and you could tell it was raining over there. And all of a sudden, a, you know, like this double rainbow appears and, wow. and, uh, and I'm looking around and I'm standing in this field of those brilliant red um, paintbrush. Um, they're, they're, uh, they're really common in the San Juans. I don't know if you see them uh, on the front range as much. Um, and just the low angle of the sun kind of made the whole, it's like the air was glowing and it had this red tinge to it. And mm. I was, you know, I was just filled with this huge emotional overload of, of gratitude, you know, for, for being able to do the run and, you know, for, um, the the love and support of my dad for so many years mm-hmm. and uh i i just i looked over at greg and i said greg <laughs> i'm having a dad moment here let's 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 just sit down so i can soak this in a bit yeah and wow. uh so yeah that's what we did and then you had some other people come up and you know they kind of joined us too so mm-hmm. it was just wow one of the most I mean incredibly visually beautiful and just spiritually strong and and beautiful experiences I've ever had in the mountains wow. anywhere it was it was quite outstanding 
<laughs> and yeah, I'm, I'm guessing that's something that you're going to carry with you forever. I'll never forget that moment. Wow. Wow. Did your uh, dad support your ultra running or did he think it was like just kind of a crazy thing you did or what were his thoughts? Um, you know, he was, he, he wasn't an athlete of any kind at all. And he, he really didn't understand um, what it was all about. Mm-hmm. And, and he, he wasn't even like an outdoor guy. So, you know, I kind of described to him what, what this was like. And he's like, well, how do you keep from getting lost? And I'm like, well, you know, you just follow the trail and there's markers and stuff. And then, you know, I mean, he, he didn't even have the understanding of what a trail was like, you know, so it just it was way outside his his uh, understanding. But, you know, he he could tell how much I loved it. And, you know, he, he was always, you know, very supportive and interested in what I was doing and where I was going and and probably more worried than he needed to be because he didn't have any sort of understanding of, of, of that kind of thing. But um, yeah, that was kind of his experience with it. But, uh, mm-hmm. I always think about that now, as you know, now I, I can, I can, you know, sort of feel his presence. So it's like, now you get it, dad, you see what this is like, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. And I'm sure he was with you at that moment, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I felt him really strongly. Wow. That's cool. So, yeah, it looks like you, I mean, you've got a, a pretty long career in, in ultra marathons. I mean, not many people can say that they've been running these things for 30 years. And, you know, it looks like you've got over 100 races. And I think you've done hard rock, like, what is it, 24 times? Yeah, I have, yeah, I have 24 hard rock finishes, yep. And that's uh, consecutive, right? Yeah, it is. I, um, I entered the first year and uh, made it about 70 miles to Sherman. And um, I was, you know, I was feeling kind of normal 70 miles at Sherman sort of thing. Um, and it, it's, this was only my second hundred miler. So I was very, you know, way down there on the, on the learning curve. Um, so I got into the aid station and had some soup and then, uh, something flipped the switch and I just, I got sick and I started puking and I had the dry heaves for the next eight hours. I, you know, in hindsight, I think I probably had some sort of food poisoning from either, you know, the night before the race or somewhere along the run. Um, but I, I pulled the plug at, at that point, um. But that was really, that's the only time I've ever had any kind of stomach issues in a, in a hundred mile or so. There's oh, wow. something weird going on with that. Oh, you're pretty lucky. <laughs> I'm really lucky with that. Yeah, I have a cast iron stomach. It's probably one of my uh, greatest ultra running attributes. Yeah. <laughs> Are you able to eat anything and everything while you're out on the trail? And Pretty much. If it looks good and I eat it, it, it works for me. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty lucky. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I've seen the other side. It doesn't look oh, like fun. <laughs> no, no. Well, I mean, what is, uh, what's the biggest differences from um, when you started running hundred milers to now? Um, oh boy. Well, the numbers for sure. <laughs> the numbers for sure. Yeah. The races are definitely bigger. Yeah. Yeah. Um, were you carrying the same type of? Uh, oh no! Yeah, no, no, not at all. Um, okay. 
I think my my first kit was a like a um, ultimate direction waste pack with two water bottles and a pretty big you know, compartment between the two. I've <laughs> I'm I'm pretty well known by people who know me as uh, carrying like the Boy Scout pack. So I've got, you know, I, I, I don't travel light in these things. I okay. usually have everything that I could possibly need and, and then some. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Even to this day, you're still carrying extra gear? Yeah, I do. I like, I'll always have, you know, an extra long sleeve shirt, gloves, uh, rain jacket, pants, and plenty of water, extra food. Yeah. I, think I probably carry about a you know eight to ten pound pack. Oh wow! Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'm sure you over the years you've probably used everything that you carry. You know, I mean the weather can turn on a dime, especially in the San Juans. Absolutely, it's there. it's saved my bacon more than once. Yeah, oh, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um so it sounds like ra- um the races have changed a little bit over the years um you know a little here and there but like what about your training has that changed much over the years yeah um certainly not the volume that i used to run um and i used to kind of try to pay attention to my pace and stuff i don't really do that anymore um mm-hmm. Now all I you know, I just try to do um, you know time on my feet is, is sort of my metric. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and and my uh, the the stuff that I've eaten during the races that's changed quite a bit. I've gone through probably anything you could imagine. Like I think probably those first that first Leadville year I. Th- probably ate mostly power bars okay um, yeah uh, and then i went through a, a phase where i probably over well i definitely over sugared myself i'd eat uh eat pies I, I worked at a bakery for many of those years in crested butte so i'd order up a you know a couple of really nice fruit pies and i'd have that out there and mm-hmm. Uh, again, the cast iron gut saved me, but um, eventually, I, I, when I was still thinking in competitive terms, I, um, I, I kind of hooked up with the um, the group in Boulder. Um, um, oh shit, what were they called? Um, Divine Madness. Okay. Um, if you've ever heard of that crew, I think I have. Yeah, they were they were kind of notorious in Boulder for a while, um, but uh, I was friends with a bunch of those guys, and um, um, they were they were just kind of a group living communally and and look, looking at um, oh kind of various methods of transcendence, you know, whatever that means to them, um, and used running as a tool. Um, oh. So yeah, they, you know, I was I was good friends with a bunch of them, and they had a, a 
one of their members was a nutritionist and and that's where I got the idea of this from but um I I started making it was basically baby food I guess um okay. you know I'd mix up um it was mostly a carbohydrate source that was uh white rice and sweet potato and then I'd throw in about a maybe a third of an avocado and there was some plain yogurt in there and then I put a protein source in that was either um, tofu scrambled egg or um, <laughs> sauteed liver um, and when I could get like uh, wild game liver that was that was oh. that's what I was looking for so I put all that process it up in a in a blender and pack it in um reusable squeeze tubes for camping and freeze it you know like in the week before the run and then uh, just carry that with me um so um that was kind of you know that was sort of the more scientific approach of um what to eat <laughs> and uh, it's super good fuel super yeah. good fuel i don't i don't do it anymore um because it it's really labor intensive you know it takes like a whole day in the kitchen to prepare all this and you know since i'm not too worried about how fast I'm going. I just go with, uh, uh, you know, basically aid station food or, you know, whatever else I happen to throw in my pack that day. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious about this group that you mentioned that was, uh, yeah, for some sort of transcendence and, and you said they were doing it through running. Um, mm -hmm. and you said they were like living communally as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm just trying to picture like what, what that would look like. I mean, I'm just picturing a bunch of hippies that live together that are kind of doing some mountain runs and eating, you know, like mostly vegetarian food, but maybe doing some meditating, but I'm, I'm totally guessing like, what, what was that like? Yeah. So, you know, I wasn't a part of the group. I was just, um, you know, good friends with several of them. Um, but you know, I, they had, they had a, uh, I guess you call him a guru. They had a guy who kind of led him. Um, and he, you know, he called the shots on their training and, um, uh, well, he called the shots on everything really, you know, what they were going to eat. Um, well, you know, I'll let your imagination run from there, but, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, he was their, uh, their leader and, and guru. And, um, I mean, he, he had some really successful runners. He had well, Steve Peterson who, who won Leadville five or six times, um, was in that group and, um, uh, another, uh, woman also, um, they had a woman who, who won, who won Leadville as well. Leadville was kind of their focus. Um, sure. so, um, yeah, that's, uh, that was kind of that group. Yeah. Divine wow. Madness. Yeah. They, they got some press back in the uh, probably mid nineties, late nineties. Okay. Google it if you're interested. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was an interesting group. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, it sounds very Boulder-esque. Oh, it was, yeah. <laughs> very Boulder-esque. Cool. And um, so I, I believe that you um, set a course record at Hard Rock back in the day. And <laughs> yeah. One year, a couple years. Um, when you were back, were a little bit more competitive uh, mm -hmm. really big training miles 
Um, yeah, you know, I think I, ha- I probably would shoot for a uh, hundred to 110 mile week and maybe do two or three of those. So I don't know. It seemed like big miles to me. Uh, it's all relative. Yeah. I guess there's people who do you know, more than that really consistently. Uh, sure. But uh, I felt like I was kind of, you know, doing as much as I possibly could, you know, I was, mm-hmm. I was doing 20 plus hours a week on the trails. So that's a lot. That was a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, yeah. Yes, and you were working full time at the time too. Yeah, I was, but uh, like I mentioned, I was working at a, at a bakery. So um, I was kind of able to sort of make my own schedule. They um, let me kind of, uh, I was, I was kind of a, I guess you would call it the manager of the, uh, of the, uh, hydro hygiene department. I was a dishwasher. <laughs> oh, got it. <laughs> uh, so, uh, really busy place, you know, especially in the summer. Um, so, uh, uh, I would come in and I, I would do the later afternoon evening shifts. Um, mm-hmm. so I'd have all, you know, my whole mornings and early afternoons to, to go do my thing and then, head into work so yeah I was working I was working a lot then as well yeah 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 I mean I've run some some big mile weeks like that uh here and there and you know work full-time as well and, uh yeah I just remember you know I would start work at the same time you know um in those days 10 10 to 10 o'clock in the morning or maybe noon or so and I just remember running you know, maybe 20 miles before work and just getting to work and just wondering how I'm going to make it through the day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what, what would you say is the key to, to all, you know, your long career in ultra marathons? I mean, here you are, you've run over a hundred ultra races, just a whole mess of hundred mile races. Um, yeah. <laughs> secret well um i think for me fair i would say fairly early on in in um, my ultra experience i i really decided that um, this was something i wanted to do for a long time i just enjoyed it so much um so i you know i i started dialing back the intensity really um both in 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 training and i kind of switched over to thinking of um kind of ultra in the more macro view so instead of um you know i'm gonna train really hard for this race and run this race you know just lay it all out there and and let the chips fall where they may i began to sort of have a little bit more of a long um long-term vision of how i wanted um, the sport to go for me. So, um, and I, you know, I've never really been that competitive of a person. I mean, even when I was having really good results, um, um, I, you know, I, I'd see some guys out there, you know, they, they, they just <laughs> put every last little ounce of, of what they had to, you know, to, to beat somebody. And eh, I never really, that really never appealed to me. I, had some good results that um, uh, I think 
um, came my way because that sort of approach um, just fit me very well, both, you know, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, it, that just kind of fit for me, you know, it wasn't like I had to, had to um, really effort myself to, to step that far out of my comfort zone to, to win or to, you know, to go faster than I did the year before, you know, mm-hmm. at, at all costs. So mm-hmm. um, I really think that's why I'm, I'm, still able to get out there albeit fairly slowly but still get out there and enjoy it and and uh, um, be a part of the be a part of the sport still yeah so speed and competition was never at the forefront of your focus uh you just wanted to be out there and be a part of it and mm-hmm. yeah yeah absolutely makes sense makes sense um what what's uh some of the biggest adversities you faced over your uh career at hard rock i mean most people know hard rock is you know probably the toughest 100 in the united states one of the toughest in the world extremely mm-hmm. race um, just finishing it is a huge accomplishment uh, what's some of the toughest times you've had out there oh let's see couldn't even tell you what year this was, but um, I was just not having a great day. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, when it, when that happens, I'm I'm pretty good at kind of flipping the switch emotionally and just just staying with it and just going with it and and you know still enjoying being out there and and just I mean, you know the hard rock course is just so spectacular so mm-hmm. uh, i just try to tap into the energy that was out there and, you know it's just one of those years and not going well and i got down to uh got off of oscar's pass i don't know what it's probably about 80 80 miles maybe and um you know, it's just a ugly brutal descent down this ridiculously steep jeep road that's just rocks the whole way and it i was just i was beat to crap and <laughs> i got there early in the morning i was cold and shivering and um fortunately i had i had a crew there and they um they saw that i was <laughs> was really struggling so they they put me in the vehicle and cranked the heat up and um i i uh probably slept for half an hour and warmed up anyway. Um, that's one of the more difficult times that I can remember. I'm, um, you know, just kind of taking the, the, the whole attitude that I have towards this. It's um, I, I really keep the struggles to a minimum. And I guess even more than that is, is I'm not, I've, I, I've been doing this for so long that, that I'm not afraid of the discomfort that is obviously going to come your way, but mm-hmm. I don't let the discomfort turn into suffering. I think okay. that's, I think that's the main thing. So suffering to me is, is a, that's a kind of a emotional thing. It's, it goes beyond physical, you know, everybody's going to hurt cause it's damn hard to run these things, but um 
when you start feeling sorry for yourself and you just you, you just kind of lose the perspective of of what you're doing and why you're doing it and where you're doing it and you know you just you just go into the into the the black hole of this sucks that's when you start suffering and i for whatever reason i i am pretty good at not not going there especially anymore i'm you know i yeah. Uh, another part of that too is I, I, you know, I know I'm getting towards the end of my abilities to be able to do these um, and not get cut off <laughs> by the by the time cut off. So I'm, you know, each one is just like a very special gift at this point, and and I'm gonna um, make sure I enjoy it and and take in the experience as a whole. Um, so that certainly keeps you from suffering. Yeah, no, that makes sense to me. Um, you know, the way you're looking at it now, um, you know, you feel like, you know, maybe you've only got a handful of, of hard rocks left, mm-hmm. just enjoying the moment and enjoying being out there. But what about, you know, years ago when, when you were really facing that first I mean, were there times that you wanted to, to drop out, wanted to quit, you didn't want to be out there anymore? Sure. Oh, of course. Um, but then, um, you know, then I, I just kind of talk myself off the ledge and it's like, well, do you want to quit? <laughs> yeah. And no, I don't, sure. I, you know, that is, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm, you know, damaging myself. You know, I don't have a bad injury. I'm just having a, a bad day and feeling crappy here. But, um, you know, I, I know the, 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 the feeling that I get when I cross the finish line is going to more than make up for it. And, um, yeah, I mean, isn't that why we all sign up for this really is to sort of Mm -hmm. look at these demons and, and face them down and, and, Mm -hmm. uh, find your way through the other side, even in those really bleak times. A hundred percent. Yeah. I'm totally with you. Um, I love that attitude. I think that, that, you know, I don't know, maybe we need more of that in ultra because I mean, most people that have a hundred races on, on their ultra sign up, they've got a whole string of DNFs over the years. And, it, you know, if I'm looking at this right, it doesn't look like you have any. Uh, the first hard rock I think would be really the only uh, DNF I have. Wow. I mean, that's pretty impressive. So yeah, you've always thanks. just had this, this, uh, you know, attitude of just forging on and, and trying to stay present and just enjoying being out there. Yeah. And a good streak of stubbornness helps too. I think <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that. That helps. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you've been a part of the hard rock family for, for so many years. Um, and, you know, I'm sure you've seen people come and go and you've been there long enough to see people pass away. Um, yes. Yes. I've been, I've been lucky enough to work the Burroughs aid station for uh, a couple of years. And so I've probably okay. passed you, I've yeah. probably passed you some water and some food out there at some point. I'm or another. sure you have. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, what is it about the hard rock family that uh, keeps you coming back? And, and what is it about, I mean, it, it seems like such a tight knit community and it seems like a really very special race. And once you get in it, most people don't really want to get out of it. They, they love it so much. Um, yeah. What is it? Do you have any words for it or any way to describe that? 
Yeah, well, um, you know, I having been lucky enough to to get in on it since day one. I mean, I remember it was after that first year at Leadville and picked up probably maybe the uh, October issue of Ultra Running Magazine came in my mailbox and flipping through it and I just saw the little blurb up in the upper corner Gordon Hartman's planning to put on a 100 mile run in the San Juans next year you know stay tuned or get in touch with him if you're interested and I was like yeah that's that's up my alley um so yeah it you know part of it certainly is is having been in on that ground level and and I mean, I remember going out there in 92 before the run and uh, meeting up with Charlie Thorne and John Kappas and Rick Trujillo and a few other people. And we'd go out and I mean, they weren't even sure that what John had marked out on the map was going to be doable. And um, so we, you know, we were scouting out the course at the same time, marking it and, and figuring out, well, is this going to be something we can do or not? So, mm -hmm. um, uh, and then as it's developed over the years, you know, it, 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 it is a bit, you know, a big part of, of what keeps me coming back is, is the group, the people, you know, the people who come and are truly moved by the hard rock experience, um, come back every year, whether they're in the race or not. Um, and it's, uh, you know, it's like a family homecoming every year. So that's, you know, it's kind of such a bummer as we've not only have we not been able to run the course the last two years, but we've missed our, our family reunion. Right. Um, and then of course it's, it's just the, you know, the, the course itself is, is, is so powerful. So, Oh, it's it's so huge, you know. It, mm -hmm. It's the San Juans, and it's uh, what a what a unique thing it is to do. You know, a, a loop. Uh, it's it's a you know a really elegant um, way to uh, to uh, see s such a big part of the range in in one go. Mm. Um, and uh, you know, having having run over it so many times, there's just some you know there's I, I have so many areas that are really special you know they hold special memories just like you know the one i described earlier where the the air was glowing red that year and then you know there's other places where i have some of my favorite trees that i i i love to see and and um and it's hard rock you know, it's, yeah that's just it you know that's beautiful. Yeah, I'm sure that that every time you get to that special spot where, um, you know, the weather was perfect and you and your pacer were able to sit down and just kind of take it all in, I'm sure that that memory comes back to you every time you're up there. Yeah, it yeah. does. It does. Yeah. That's cool. Um, I, I'm, I'm guessing you know um, Julian Smith? Um, I know who he is, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So he's a buddy of mine and uh, he's done hard rock. I think, mm -hmm. I think seven times, Yeah, you know, quite a few times, not yeah. as many as you, but uh, you know, when I talked to him about it, he's like, ah, at this point, it's a piece of cake, you know, <laughs> you know, put in a handful of training runs and just go out there. And, you know, I've done it so many times at this point, it's a piece of cake. 
Is is that <laughs> you know about it? Oh, uh, I'm not sure I have that view. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, yeah, Julian yeah, he's uh he's special uh special athlete he's um i'm sure he's he's a he's a better pure athlete than i am i mean has has he done nolan's he's done nolan's but he is you know unofficially done it it took him longer than the last hours but he has done the course yeah i'm 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 in awe of people who who pull that thing off (laughs) yeah yeah, for sure yeah i'm i'm kind of surprised you haven't uh you know, gone for anything like that. I mean, have you done other adventures besides organized races? Like, have you done all the Colorado 14ers or anything like that? No, no, I haven't. You know, I, okay. I mean, I would say I've done some other adventures, but nothing, you know, of note. Sure. Sure. Um, you know, just love spending time in the mountains and, you know, going back to those early days when I lay the maps out and I'm like, oh, I wonder if I can go from here to here over this pass and, mm-hmm. and that that sort of thing. Yeah, um, that's it right there. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, how do you know John Denise? Um, John and his wife, Jennifer, spend the winters over here in the valley oh, yeah. um so yep. that that's how i met him i met he yeah. probably um showed up for we have a little semi-formal run um that i attend once a week just a trail run you know we all kind of get together and go for a little run and then hang out in the parking lot and tailgate with a beer afterwards but um, i think that's how i i met um john and, and jen um, gotcha yeah yeah they're really special people too. And oh, they're awesome. Yeah. I love those guys. Just more folks who just love getting out in the mountains and mm-hmm. uh, you know, good, honest people that just love spending their spare time out in the mountains. And, you know, those are the kind of people I just uh, find myself more and more attracted to over the years. Yeah, definitely. It looks like you did uh, the Moab 240, um, like maybe 2008 or so. 2008. Right. Yeah. Oh, 2018. Yep. I did. Was that your only 200 plus mile run or have you done more than one of them? Um, the year before I did the Tahoe 200. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So for many, for many years, I was, I was just kind of doing the, the Leadville double. Um, and then, um, you know, as I got, close to 20 finishes at Leadville and you know Leadville sort of morphed from a community event to the more corporate organized um, entity that it is now mm-hmm. and you know they had some they had some stumbles in their early years um, and I uh, I just decided okay I'm just going to hang on here get the 20 and then start looking at other things to do. So I did that. And now I still go back to Leadville every year and work at the Winfield aid station. So I still have the Leadville connection. Um, But so that was 2014 uh, that I got uh, the 20th Leadville finish. And then, wow. Let me think after that I did hard rock in 2015, I did hard rock. Oh, and and the uh, Mogollon monster down in, in Arizona. Okay. And that was, uh, he wasn't really sure of the distance that 
sound like most people thought it was about probably 107 or 108 miles. And then I was like, oh, okay, well, I can go over 100. And then the next year I did Hard Rock and uh, the um, Bigfoot 120. Um, Candace isn't doing the 120 anymore, but it was on the, you know, much of the same course as the Bigfoot 200 up in Washington around Mount St. Helens. So mm -hmm. uh, that went okay that was that was pretty fun uh the weather was washington state torrential rain for days on end but it was cool um uh so that was uh let's see what are we up to now 15 16 what did i do in 27 oh 2017 i did tahoe 200 and then 2018 i did um uh yeah the moab 200 Oh, and then um, next year um, I signed up. I think there still might be a vetting or and or lottery process to go through. But uh, uh, Jamil or Viper Running is um, doing yeah. a new run, 250 miles from the north end of the Phoenix Valley to Flagstaff. Uh, what's he calling it? He's calling it the Cocodona 250. That looks really cool. Yeah, so that's next May. So um, I'd love to do that. I, I'm really liking that that 200-ish distance, um, uh, you know, because you're you're justified in going as slow as I like to go. Yeah. Um, and it's, I mean, you God, you just you know you check out for days on end, and it's just you know all you have to do is keep moving forward and take care of yourself and be out in these glorious areas. It's a really cool experience. So uh, looking forward to that. And that'll be my uh, big training run for hard rock. Oh. I don't know if that's quite the way to go about it, but you know, it's in May and hard rocks in July. So I got a little bit of time and I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I'm just going to have to rely on my experience on how to recover and uh, get ready to go at hard rock and hopefully finish uh, number 25. Wow, that's incredible. Um, I've heard some people say that doing a 200-mile is a little bit easier than a 100-mile because it's more of a hike. There's not as much running involved. Um, yeah, depending on how you do it. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, how much running are you doing versus hiking in a 200-mile race? Oh, not running that much. You know, if there's some easy flats and easy downhills, it mm -hmm. kind of take a nice easy jog at that. Um, sure. um, and then I I had a I had a pretty good go at Moab, and I actually we ended up uh, finishing up on um, Porcupine Rim, mm, okay. and I was able to run most of that and run the. Then you drop down along the river road and finish up into town, and I I couldn't believe how how well I felt and that my legs actually still allowed me to run. So um, yeah, yeah, it was sort of a pleasant surprise. <laughs> it looks like you were out there over a hundred hours. Yeah. And did you stop and sleep at all? Were you taking any naps along the way or? Uh, oh yeah. Oh okay. yeah. 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 I slept um, two or three hours probably every night. And then, um, I'd take generally about 15 minutes at every aid station and lay down. Okay. Um, yeah. So I, I, I got quite a bit more sleep than the way most people do it. But, okay. 
I enjoyed myself. <laughs> and that seems to work for you. It does. Yeah. 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 Better than staying awake that whole time. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I had enough fun hallucinations without, you know, going totally bonkers. <laughs> oh, I'm serious. Yeah. Do you do well with sleep deprivation or is it a struggle for you? No, I think I do pretty well. Um, yeah. All in all. Yeah. There's yeah. generally a period, maybe two during hard rock when I, I just, you know, the sleep monster jumps on my back and, you know, if I can't shake it myself, then I'll, I'll do a five hour energy shot and that generally will snap me out of it. Yeah. Wow. So, um, yeah, there, so there hasn't been a hard rock for the last two years, last year due to, to snow and avalanche and this year yep. due to uh, COVID. Yep. So are you still training and getting outside as much as normal or have you cut back since there's not as many races on the calendar? Yeah, I probably cut back. I think I, I kind of felt a little bit of my mojo slip away um, when they finally announced that hard rock wasn't happening. I mean, you know, I think everyone probably was pretty certain that was going to happen anyway. But, you know, when you finally hear it, it's like, oh, <laughs> again so yeah. Um, yeah and that's generally the time when I'm when I'm you know really cranking up the last bit of training but I didn't bother with the crank up but um this year I still get out um you know I'm largely a weekend warrior I run what I can during the week sometimes it's half an hour with my dog um and then uh tend to go you know have good good steady four, five, six, seven hours on the weekends. Um, so, yeah. Open good. I'm, I'm doing good. Yeah. yeah definitely. Um, it looks like you did uh, the Sangre de Cristo 100 miler as well last yeah, year. Yeah, did that, did that last That was my second one, yeah, last year. I'm curious why you didn't do the 200. Oh, the, he didn't have the 200. He's starting the 200 this year. Oh, this year's the first year. I thought he had it last year. Yeah, no, he did. He did a yeah. uh, um, hundred mile, fifty miles, which uh, my girlfriend did. So that was fun, yeah. and that was her first fifty miles. So oh, nice. Uh, we got to see each other out on the course and and um, and experience that together. So that was really cool. Gotcha. Um, and I think he had a shorter one, one or two as well. But yeah, this year will be the first. Uh, the first 200 um the course is uh it's let's see the, sh the 100 miler is a short steep out and back to a pass come back to the start and then a long out and back along the rainbow trail and then you do that again same thing out and back on the rainbow trail and you finish up with a short climb up to music pass so the 200 is just going to be doing that twice so essentially it's eight out and backs uh, oh, wow. i think four out and backs was enough on that course <laughs> Understandably so. yeah you know i don't i don't need to do the 200 just for the distance i mean the distance cool but um unlike the moab 240 you yeah know. which is one big loop and same yeah. with tahoe it's just a big loop you know yeah. so you're actually you know traveling somewhere not not backtracking all the time yeah. um, so that's kind of cool that makes sense so what's um 
this year looking like for you? I mean, there's not many races on the calendar. Um, do you have? Any yeah, there isn't. No. Yeah. So this is, this is supposed to be the, my 30th consecutive year of running at least one run of at least a hundred miles. So Wow. Um, I still want to do something. And what I've wanted to do for a while is run the Cocapelli trail from here to Moab. So that's yeah. going to be my big, it's going to be my hundred. Well, it's 140 or 150, depending on how you do it. So that's going to be my big, uh, my big run for the year and okay. wait for it to cool off a little bit, probably do it late September, early October. Okay. And are you going to do that unsupported or are you going to have, uh, friends out yeah there. yeah yeah i'll have some some help out there my girlfriend will come on and meet me and where she can drive in and i imagine there'll be some people who want to run some sections who are included so yeah yeah just again just like i like to do just go out and enjoy the uh enjoy the back country yeah that sounds like a share it with friends so much the better very cool have you run most of that trail before not most. Mm-mm. There's big sections I haven't, so okay. a lot of that'll be new. I'll probably try and scout out a couple of a uh, couple of the sections I haven't been on between now and my my full effort. Um, but uh, I kind of like 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 that idea too of um, seeing it fresh on on the day that you that you see it fresh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Wow. And um, so how many, I know it's hard to guess, but how, how long do you plan on keeping this going? I mean, you are in your you know, late fifties and you're still out mm-hmm. there running a hundred or a couple hundred every year. Um, you know, probably year. I'm guessing you're going to be out there. Um, you plan on keeping this going for a while? I'm just going to keep going as long as I can. And as long as it's still fun. Um, yeah, and I imagine I'm not going to be able to do it before it stop before it's not fun anymore. You know, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I'm just kind of taking it one one event at a time, and uh, like I said, you know, just just being grateful that I've been able to to uh, do what I love to do for so long. Hundred percent. Yeah, sounds like that's the best approach it sounds like um you know you're not planning too far ahead you're just staying present and you're just yeah. taking things as they come and and things have you know gone your way for the last 30 years which is pretty incredible yeah you know the older i've gotten the more I've, you know i've always gotten a lot of had a lot of people say man you know how, how do you do that how do you how do you keep coming back year after year yeah. you know, i don't I just I just do but yeah. now um you know as I've gotten older I'm I'm really recognizing how very fortunate I really am because uh yeah there really aren't that many people who've been able to to keep going um as long as I've been fortunate enough to at this point and you know I mean you got to face it all of us are no more than one misstep away from not being able to do this anywhere you know i mean you take a weird step on a rock and that could be the end of it for you you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
So just yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm just just keep on keeping on until I can anymore. I guess. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm curious. It, it, do you have any like daily practices or anything that you do to keep yourself healthy and fit? Um, yeah, you know, in addition to the, uh, you know, those four things that I mentioned, I try to get one of those things in every week. Um, I, um, I've, I've kind of been working with some more spiritual type. Really have a word. It's sort of a meditation thing, but it's a, it's a practice that I use, um, and and I, I do it both when I'm out on the trail and, and otherwise um, just um, sort of tapping into the energies that surround us and um, um, being able to utilize that um, to, to um, keep going, to heal aches and pains, uh, maintain health. Um, so that's that's been really an interesting journey for me as well to kind of work with that stuff and figure some stuff out along those how, lines. How does that work? How are you doing that? I mean, are you just trying to stay present or are you focusing on your breathing or what does that look like? Yeah, it's a little bit of, of all of that, really. Um, boy, yeah. You know, if we had a couple hours, I could I could. I could take you through it. I know we don't have um, the time, but honestly, this is the stuff I'm interested in. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Oh, good. Well, let's let's get together oh, and go for a run. And I'll I share would absolutely love to. I, I would relish in that. Um, but can you just give me like the, the quick version of it? Yeah. Um, so, um, well, there's 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 a few different techniques for lack of a better word that I use one of them I work with um, the seven generally main chakras in most systems have seven main mm -hmm. chakras in the body um, and I work with that and I've um, I have this uh, uh, close um, affinity with with trees I really love trees and I can um, I, I, so I through meditation, I think it's kind of come to me that there's um, certain trees that are aligned with um, each of the chakras. Um, and um, so I'll, you know, like, okay, if I'm out there running, I'll, I'll, I'll just kind of go through this. It's, a, it's what do you want to call it? Mental tape, a meditation, a mantra. It's too long for a mantra, really. So it's not that. I'll call it a mental tape. Um, but it's it's uh, like focusing on each of the chakras and their corresponding trees um, and breathing ease through the areas as well as running the chi through mm -hmm. the areas. Um, stuff I've learned about through having acupuncture for many years, you know, it's all yeah. about moving chi. Um, um, so that's. I know that's pretty vague. No, no. You really have to kind of experience <laughs> the whole thing, but that's that's kind of the 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 uh, what they call it the Cliff yeah, Notes version, sure. I guess. So, have you had moments where you felt these chakras opening up? Yeah, um, like how generally how I'll use them um, in during a run is um, you know if I'm just kind of feeling a little I'm I'm, I'm 
like not hitting the zone, right? You know, I'm stuck in a certain area of my body. Um, that's when I'll focus on that corresponding chakra and tree and um, um, send my breath in that direction as well as um, concentrating on allowing the chi to flow through. And um, I just had some really um, very amazingly successful um, um, episodes in that area where it's like, man, my calf is all cramped up. And then, you know, I'll just run through this for about five minutes. And next thing I know, I'm five miles down the road. And it's like, oh, yeah, calf's been fine oh. for the last hour. <laughs> so there's something That's to cool. it. <laughs> no, I'm really interested. Do you feel like, you know, at one point or another, all of your chakras have opened up and you had some sort of like an awakening or a Kundalini awakening or um, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that. I think, you know, most people would just say, call it a, having a really good day or even, you know, be, finding the flow, being in the zone, uh -huh. that kind of thing. Um, it's a feeling, to me, how I perceive it is, it's 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 almost semi out of body it's like i'm i'm in my body but there's this ease um like there's no effort that i'm putting in to keep moving forward um and um i i, I just i feel um like i it's no longer me as a as a human being running over this trail but it's um i'm a part of the trail i'm a part of the trees and the clouds mm -hmm. and the rocks and the flowers and the creek you know it, it's all it's a it's a feeling of oneness is what yeah. it is for me that's how mm. i perceive it that's a, yeah it's it's that, glorious absolutely that's glorious. A beautiful moment it's almost uh it's almost psychedelic um i've had those moments where it's like um yeah like you said it's like a flow state and then you just get into this headspace where everything is effortless yeah. and the next thing you know 10 miles have gone by really really effortlessly and you barely remember them but you were just so in the cool. moment you were just so present that yeah it's yeah. just a really special moment and um yeah yeah good for you i'm, I'm glad you've experienced yeah. that before and i would just you know encourage you to um just find out figure out a technique or a thought or whatever it is for you that that you can you can apply and get there rather than it just kind of being a random event when you're having a really mm. good day and you know you're just loving life but when you can you know kind of flip the switch when you really need it and and get to that spot then man then you're cooking with yeah. fire buddy so is yeah. that something is that something you're looking for on all of your runs or um, do you have to run a, like a, a long distance to get to these certain states? No, not at all. Not at all. Mm -mm. So if you're out on a regular weekend training mm -hmm. run, you can tap into this and uh, just find this piece. Mm -hmm. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. That's really cool. Yep. Well, cool, Kirk, man. I've really enjoyed talking with you and, uh, Oh man, yeah, we're gonna have to fun. go running sometime. If you ever come to, or if I oh, ever I come so. out your way, I'm I'm gonna give you a shout, and uh, hopefully we can hit some trails together. 
Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to share some trail time with you. Well, yeah, it's been a pleasure talking with you. I mean, you've got 24, 25 hard rock finishes, 20 Leadville finishes. That's just incredible. Do you know if there's anybody else that has those kind of numbers with those races? Um, Hard Rock, I have 24. Blake Wood has 22. Mark Heafy has 20. I think maybe Betsy Kalmeyer, I think, is at 19 right now. Um, so that's a, that's the one I know best. At Leadville, of course, Bill Finkbeiner has 30, I believe. And um, my late great friend Gary Curry had 25. Uh, local guy, uh, Mario Varela has 20. Um, I have 20. And then, um, th- the same year I got 20, um, Eric Pence also got his 20th and he's still, he's They're still going. going at it. So I, he's, he, I, he's probably at 24 now, okay. 24, 25. Wow. Incredible. Well, that's just an inspiration. And, uh, you know, it just shows what the human potential really is. You know, I mean, if, if you want to keep going for years and mm-hmm. years, it, it's certainly possible. You know, a lot of people think, you know, they might have four or five years of running ultras and then their body's going to give out on them. But if, if they go about it in a smart way, they can just keep going forever. Yeah, I believe that. I'm certainly not you know, any kind of special athlete. I'm just, just a guy. I got a big, got a pretty big engine, um, and, uh, a good stubborn streak, I, Perfect. I guess too, but, uh, that's how it takes. <laughs> oh, keeps you going. Well, Kirk, thank you for talking with us. I really appreciate it. You're a big inspiration and, uh, yeah, I just really appreciate you taking this time and, uh, telling us your story. Oh, yeah. Thanks a lot. I really appreciate you uh, giving me the opportunity. And, uh, yeah, hopefully um, uh, we've inspired some people to do big stuff. That's what it's all about. (laughs) All right, Kirk. Well, thank you so much. I'd love to meet you and run with you someday. And hopefully we can make that happen at some point. Yeah, for sure. Cool, man. We'll have uh, a good rest of your evening and uh, hopefully talk soon. Take care, buddy. Okay. All right. Be well. all right there it is what did you guys think kirk is just a really humble guy it's one of those guys you're not gonna find him on social media he is just out there doing this thing um just really thankful that he sat down and chatted with me and uh, i really enjoyed the conversation i hope you guys did too I got a quote for you guys, a little piece from Jerry Roach's book called Transcendent Summits. It's uh, One Climber's Route to Self-Discovery. I really enjoyed this book and the very end of it just summed it all up in a huge way for me that just kind of opened my eyes up and and made me think differently of of the things we do and the mountains we climb and... uh, just summed it up in a beautiful way so I want to share it with you guys every time you reach a summit you have demonstrated how to move from thesis to antithesis to reach synthesis each climb gives the world an example to emulate better yet when you achieve a transcendent summit you give the world an example of the opportunity for its collective spirit to transcend isn't that beautiful 
All right. Hope you guys have a great week. Um, give me a shout. You can find me at big-things-crewing.com. Let me know what you thought of this. Let me know what you thought of some of the past conversations I've had with folks. And if you guys need crewing, pacing, training plans, coaching, anything like that, give us a shout. We'd love to help you. We got your back. Life is short. Do big things.